Constera. So this channel, uh, Constera, right? I've heard some of these songs over the years. Primarily, I think um, I had Winnable in my playlist for ages. And uh, you, you may have heard it. Sup, yo. It's me. It's your boy, Asmongold. That song. But he's, he's released two that I hadn't heard before. That's What's Up, Mitch Jones, and Soda Pop and You're So. And I've listened to these songs now like, and like 15 times <laughs> over the last four days. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what it is. Like, I just, I just really love how catchy they are. And the uh, editing is amazing. He's only got like 40k subs. Like, it's crazy to think that he's get, got it's this much matter. attention from all these top content creators. And it's still only got 40k subs. I, I guess maybe because of the... What's said in them, uh, YouTube doesn't like recommending them or something. I'll, I'll warn you, the lyrics are kind of crude, but the editing is really funny. <laughs> I could, I'll just give an example how I'm just done. I paint myself green, maids came over. I'm fucking rowing a boat, maids came over. I jack off to hentai. I didn't do it again, but maids came over. <laughs> it's, it's just the weirdest shit. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but... Certainly, if you know the history of some of the content creators, it's even funnier, right? Because um, you get some of the references. I didn't know the origin of um, the meme related to um, Soda Poppin' and the shovel. I had heard the reference, used the shovel, but I always thought it was a reference to uh, when he played Hitman and he killed all the people with the shovel. But apparently not. Apparently he was playing some horror game like seven years ago and um, his chat kept telling him to use a shovel. Old Strat in Pacifist Percent. Why don't I use Alt Strat and Pacifist as well? So when I did Pacifist, Alt Strat was not known about. I hadn't discovered it yet. And so the the longer I go without releasing all the Pacifist footage, the more strats keep getting found that either would have made things easier for me in the run, like achieving the same goal, but it would have just been easier for me to do, less frustrating, or the strats themselves could impact how many people I had to kill in the first place. Old Strat is not 100% reliable. It's not, but only because I don't have more than one HP. Old Strat, if you have a normal amount of HP, is 100% reliable. Like you may occasionally get one shot at you, sure. But then you just keep going. Like there were parts in some of the pacifist missions where I was just getting brutalized by bullets, so much damage, and it was it was so hard to get from A to B. And if I'd you if I'd known about Alt Strat, like I could have used Alt Strat to have gotten from A to B a lot easier, you know. Cute animal emotes. Why are all emotes dogs? They're not, and that's the problem. Here's what I'm saying, chat. I should buy Twitch from Amazon. They could probably give me a, a decent deal, like maybe five bucks. It's probably what it's worth. Right? And then I'll force all the content creators to only have doggos for emotes. I see this as a foolproof plan and will guarantee Twitch's profitability into the future. It is only through this platform's commitment to cute doggos that it could survive. The catos are cute. I mean, the uh, picture I used today was of a cat um, when I went live. And certainly Cat Jam, as I say, is my favorite emote right now. Wait, wh wait a second. Cat Jam is my favorite meme. And Bongo Cat was my favorite meme before that. I guess I just really like cat memes. What's the best dog meme? Oh, cute dog is, is also. That, that, that was my favorite gift. Oh, Doge, of course. How did I forget Doge? So I suppose my favorite 
dog meme right now is that, um... Silence, wench! I don't want to be horny anymore. I just want to be happy. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> that did make me travel. My mission tier list video. What happened to the mission tier list video? I came to the conclusion that many of the things I would say about the missions would be things I would want to say in Pacifist, and so it would ultimately just be stealing the jokes that I wanted to make in the in, in, the, in those episodes, so there's no reason to really do a mission tier list until after Pacifist all comes out. And plus, it was just a lot of work. Like, originally what I did when I did the mission tier list is I came on stream and I just rambled about the missions, like my thoughts coming to mind. I tried that twice, I think, and it never really came out well. What I wanted to do instead of that is basically do a minute per mission. So the video would be like an hour long. And so that's manageable, but I would also be able to say everything that I wanted to say. But to, to do that, I would need a script. So writing an hour long script takes quite a long time, as you might imagine. So it's just not a high priority. And it would cut into my other series. But I will do it eventually. Trying to make sure people understand me. It's weird not hearing your voice at two times speed. In some of the rambles that I've done recently, I thought to myself, like, anyone listening to this at two times speed is going to be so fucking confused. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm talking way too fast here. Or like, listening back to it, I'm like, I combined like six words into one word there. Maybe I should put some subtitles. <laughs> it's a skill that you try to develop over time, speaking clearly, because you recognize that people aren't aren't necessarily native English speakers. Like, maybe they understand English perfectly fine, but the combination of accents and speaking quickly, it, it loses some people, you know? Also, niche expressions. Like when I said, if you put a gun to my head, I would pick this. What that, what that means is, like, I'm uncertain, but if you force me to choose, this is what I choose. But some people interpret that to be, you know, only if you put a gun to my head, would I pick this option? And thinking about it, I was like, oh yeah, I could totally see how a non-native English speaker, a person who's not familiar with that expression, or that way of stating things, uh, might come to that conclusion, you know? Doing gimmick speedruns. First person run? I don't know why people want me to do a first person run so badly. When I get back to doing speedruns, as in like I know all the strats, I'm doing full runs again, I will do heaps of gimmick runs. But there'll be gimmick runs where there won't be, uh, like, it won't impede my ability to actually speedrun. Like, uh, I might change something cosmetic about my character. Might make it always snowing, for example. Stuff like that. Things where I can still learn the run and practice the run, but things look a little bit different, you know? Both for the YouTube content and just to kind of change things up, right? But when I start getting closer to the PB and become more competitive again, I will, uh, stop doing that stuff. My new podcast. Did I figure out a name for my that one for the podcast? It's probably going to be X Rambles With. So, person who I've I've invited on rambles with Dark Viper AU. Like I could do the names the other way, but I think it'd be better to have their name first. Kinda dull. What What do you want from a name of a podcast, man? Do you, like a name's meant to be that amazing? Are you meant to read it in jizz or something? Like. This name is so good! Uh! It's just a name, man. I don't think I've ever found a name for a podcast that I haven't thought was just fairly mundane. 
And so like the series I would call a ramble with. So it's similar to enough to, to things I've done before that people could recognize it as being associated with me, but not so similar that it's, uh, you know, not distinct. Rooster Teeth's podcasts are off topic and Dude Soup. Yeah, they're not, they're not great names either. Exactly. Ah, uh, Rooster Teeth. How it fell. Are you planning on sharing the podcast on SoundCloud? I'm, I don't know how good the podcast is going to be. Like, if it's good and I do more of it, then maybe I will put it on other platforms. I'm not sure. I don't know what that entails. Haven't thought that far ahead. I mean, interviewing Dream wasn't particularly bad. But uh, certainly an interview is a little bit different from a podcast. Because a podcast is meant to be, you know, like, funny. To a degree. I mean... I'll be honest with you, I think for people who listen to podcasts, their standards are probably not all that high. It's more like these are people who don't just want to listen to music when they're out and, the, out and about and they just want something to fill the space, you know? Like as long as the podcast is better than nothing to listen to, dead air, then there'll be some people who will watch it. Whether that amount of people will be enough to make it worth listening to, debatable. It's also a separate question whether I want to uh, find someone to edit it or just release it unedited. When I say edited, like obviously most podcasts aren't edited to remove content in general. Unless something goes wrong or um, someone says, yeah, we should probably cut this out or something like that. But some podcasts are edited to add in things like visuals, like, hey, you know, so I was playing this video game and then they bring up a picture of what that video game looks like or whatever. Uh, supplemental material that isn't necessary to enjoy the podcast, but it is good if it's there. Because um, obviously that kind of stuff won't go on um, the audio version, so it can't be all that impactful, you know? Call the podcast better than dead air. True. True. The frustrations with facts and glitches. I really want to do more episodes of facts and glitches. I've got so many things, you know, that I want to put in the series. And I'm sure the Discord is just chock full of stuff now. Although making those episodes takes an obscene amount of time. It is always the problem when you get tips or advice or feedback or, you know, uh, submissions from the audience where there's always going to be the substantial amount that is not very good or not useful or has already been done before, that kind of stuff. You have to go through a lot of stuff to find that gold, you know? Like, you appreciate it all. You appreciate that anyone will take the time to submit anything, right? But at the same time, it does become a bit tedious going over the same suggestion a bajillion times. Like, I remember when I was doing facts and glitches last time, I broke down when a person suggested that you can shoot the water dispenser in Prologue, and that should be included in my series. They're suggesting it. If I didn't, as if I didn't know that. And I'm like, how the fuck do you think that I don't know that you can shoot the water dispenser in Prologue and have, have it give out water? I mean, for one, that's what you'd expect. And for two, I've done Prologue for literally thousands of hours. You don't think I've shot the fucking water dispenser before? That I've never just been angry and shot the water dispenser to figure that shit out? But of course, the person's just trying to be helpful. You know? It is funny, but... Personally, hey, maybe Matt doesn't do this. Did you know if you shoot a guy, he dies? I didn't curse. Thank you, Matt. Popular speedrunners versus competitive speedrunners. Do I plan on participating in any speedrun events in the future? Uh, given that I'm not actively speedrunning right now, I can't imagine that would happen. Um, if I become proficient, 
um, I'm competitive in speedrunning again, I, I wouldn't be against that. It's just uh, such events, you'd rather the people who are the most proficient in the run, the best runners, to get that kind of attention. It's actually something that Dream mentions um, in the interview that we had. Um, where he mentioned that uh, Mojang wanted him to speak representing speedrunners, and he said, like, you'd only do it if he could bring along uh, the top runner, Illumina. And uh, that's the thing, when you, when you get very popular as a speedrunner, but you're not necessarily the best runner. You know, people want you to do the stuff because you're popular, not because you're the best. And that's not really fair to the people who are putting in the time to become very good at speedrunning. They should get their moment to shine. The uh, They should get that attention, you know? KZ apparently dislikes me. Oh, one interesting thing, though, that came out of this. I, I had no idea that KZ Fru hated me. No idea at all. Like, certainly, over the last year or something, I had noticed on Twitter that he was increasingly saying weirder things, but they weren't involving me. Like, he, he seemed to be having issues, and I was like, well, that's that's kind of sad. He seemed to be having a hard time of it. But he just, he just fucking just, just savaged me on Twitter. I was like, oh, shit. I, I thought we were still cool, but apparently not. But that's, that's kind of what happens, you know, when you don't really talk to a person for a long time, and uh, you don't really see much from that person, but uh, when you're a larger content creator, of course, that person's going to see everything that you do. Um, and you, you're only going to know what runs to that person's head or, or what's motivating them or whatever. I wish I had just ignored it, though, but I insulted him back because I was just in a frustrated mood. Yeah, KZ is a fellow GTA runner. Uh, we used to host each other back in the day. As I say, we, um, we go way back. But apparently, uh, somewhere along the way, I, I guess I've done something that KZ hasn't approved of. And just he didn't feel it necessary to mention to him. The um, as I say, I can't I I can't tell you whether his reasons for disliking me are justifiable or agreeable or a matter of some misunderstanding because I don't know what they are. And certainly I can't tell you how much of it is um related to my our relative position uh, our relative positions um or other issues that he has in his life right now. I can only speculate, and I don't think that speculation is worth having. Because certainly, as I was mentioning before, pe people are just gonna dislike you. Or rather, that's unfair to say. It, that, that seems overly dismissive of whether a person has reasonable justification to hate you. What I mean is that the longer you go on and the more people you reach with your actions, there's just gonna be a percentage that finds your behavior to be objectionable. And there's no way that you can spend your time convincing everyone otherwise. You know, you just have to come to a point to accept that some people are going to disapprove of how you conduct yourself. Maybe just due to, due to a difference of values, um, or just a particular standard of, of, of uh, how, how they believe people should conduct themselves. In hindsight, do I regret my dream commentary? Was my involvement with the dream thing a mistake? Had I had that interview with dream and simply come out of it equally as confident as I was when I went into it. Even though I had already, as I explained, my confidence in my position had already decreased. Had I come out not changing my tune, either that or I had not vocalized my change of opinion, I think the entire experience would have been positive. With that change, which obviously I couldn't have predicted, it did have uh, negative repercussions. Overall, I still think the experience was positive, but one thing it has made me very aware of is that I can no longer do stuff 
that people would just go, who cares, when I was a smaller content creator. Nothing I did during the dream thing is any different from what I would have done had I been a person who only got 10 viewers. Literally nothing. In such a case, no one would have cared, no one would have thought about it. There were people commenting on the play-by-play, -play, maybe with less effort than I was putting in, uh, like just hundreds of channels. But because I'm a large content creator who's also a speedrunner, it grew, had a lot more attention, and so people can become more critical of what you're doing. Perhaps the weirdest criticism I recall seeing was on Twitter, where when I just gave my feedback to comments about me that were listed on the speedrun Redis, the guy criticized me for taking away focus from the dream cheating allegations. And this just was so strange to me. The idea that a video that would get max like 100,000 views and would be forgotten like two days somehow would meaningfully, meaningfully impact the amount of people who would think about or care about whether Dream cheated or not. When those videos have like I mean, I suppose Dreams' response has like 7 million right now. As if the mere existence of my commentary on something tangentially related would have some meaningful impact on how many people would care or focus on that issue. It mind-boggling. But the larger you are, the more that people will seem to grasp at straws to try to find some way to condemn the actions in which you're engaging in. I don't know if it's just a matter of you want to punch the big guy. I'm sure, I, I would imagine I've even engaged in that behavior at some point, you know? Maybe that could have even motivated my, what I would consider to be unjustified confidence in dream cheating in the, in the get-go. Maybe I just saw him as a big content creator getting his comeuppance or, or, or I don't know, getting his ego bruised or something. I, I, don't, I don't know. But the bigger you get, the, the larger that amount of people who criticize you becomes. And it, it becomes harder to not notice or to not focus on, you know? You've probably seen those memes where, you know, there'll be a, a sea of comments around a content creator. And then the content creator starts by reading them all. As the day goes on, they forget about each of the good comments. And then at the end of the day, the only comment they remember is the one that calls them a shithead. And that's kind of how it works, you know? The, the negative ones stand out in your mind and the more negative comments you get the more those kind of uh weigh on you look long story short i don't think my involvement uh, or commentary rather on um the allegations or whatever uh ultimately negatively impacted me in, in their entirety but certainly there were negative repercussions that i did not foresee and i could not have predicted if i could go back would i do things differently absolutely i would have taken a step back and done what I normally do, where if I comment on something, it just ends up in rambles. Because the great thing about only having my comments on drama and stuff end up in rambles is because by the time the rambles come out, the drama's already done, you know? The drama's done, no one can accuse me of clout chasing, no one can accuse me of just commenting because I, I, I want to ride the wave or whatever. Because by the time my commentary comes out, it, it, it's, it's old news, and my commentary is usually like in the middle of a video, 
you know. I think the mistake was the interview. You got personally involved. You got to find him sympathetic and you lost the independent point of view. I didn't have an independent point of view. At the end, you appeared biased because you started to like him. Sorry if I'm wrong. I definitely did not have an independent point of view prior to that point. Uh, I really, really, really don't like people who cheat or violate um, the rules of systems or actively work to... Uh, make systems unfair or, or bias them in their own favor like if you if you listen to me talk about my philosophy of life and politics and whatnot uh it, it would come across really well that i do not like such people certainly there's a difference between violating a rule that i consider unjust to begin with than violating a rule that i think exists to make things fair for everyone uh but in general as as a, as a rule i do not like cheaters Keep in mind this ramble is from a few weeks ago. My opinion has shifted. I do believe Dream cheated at this point, but this next section is then important to explain why I lost confidence in the first place. I became convinced that I hold too great a confidence that either the original reports in regards to Dream or the secondary report, I hold too great a confidence that either was done correctly, especially considering that the second report was in part based on the first. Given that I do not have a statistics background, nor can I make any kind of ruling as to what variables in Minecraft matter for what was being asked, I can't tell you whether that first paper is correct, uh, or to what degree the second paper is correct. And so, what was my foundation for, for, for believing it in the first place? And I sat there and I'm like, I don't have one. I, I, I just don't. I am fairly sure that the reason what made me confident in the first place was that I disliked Dream's conduct and claims he made about the report were clearly inaccurate in that he called it a manifestation of bias or clout chasing or whatever was at least the implication. And I was like, well, that's not true. And Dream's characterization of the report has nothing to do with the validity of the report. Uh, I also grew more confident because I could think of hypothetical scenarios that would lead Dream to cheat. But this is fallacious reasoning. However many scenarios that I can generate doesn't mean that they're true. And it certainly doesn't give credibility to the original report. As I say, I was talking to someone yesterday who was at least tangentially related to the, report, the first report being made. And between us, we could think of a dozen scenarios that could have led Dream to cheat, but all of them, in my view, would require Dream to be, have been extraordinarily stupid and not thinking things through. But certainly, uh, being 21 and new to his fame, and certainly even new to speedrunning to an extent, it's entirely possible that he was just that stupid. But I do not believe there is sufficient evidence for me to hold confidence in the first report, especially considering uh, after speaking to the original people who made it, what I believed that one in 7.5 trillion number, what I believe that to be isn't actually accurate. Um, and I'm sure what you guys think that number means is also inaccurate. Uh, you can believe that report if you want to, as I try to say in the video, uh, well, at least one of the videos, where some in life sometimes you do have to trust experts. Uh, you can't be educated in literally everything. Uh, but normally the scenarios where you put such trust forward are, are, are situations where you have to make a choice. You do not have to make a decision as to whether or not you believe Dream cheated. It has literally no impact in your life. And, there, and therefore, given the lack of importance of your conclusion, the, the standard of evidence that you should require to make a decision should be higher. Because there's, there's no 
there's no external force forcing you to make a decision. Like if you if, if you need to make a decision and you have only a tiny amount of evidence, you may as well base your decision off that tiny amount of evidence and, and just go for it because you have to make a decision. But as I say, in this case, you don't have to make a decision. Like if you want my ultimate opinion, uh, I, I, I would not be surprised at all if Dream cheated. At all. But as I also tried to reference, just by not meeting Dream, it doesn't mean you have an independent, sort of more objective point of view of things. Because if you if you know Dream's content, or you know something about him, then you know him to an extent. You know of him. You have an idea of him in your head, and that idea of him is going to bias the conclusions that you come to. Meeting a person does not somehow make you more or less biased necessarily. Or maybe it biases you in a different way. Because it is very easy to think negative things about a person you don't know or haven't met. But when you meet them and you get a more well-rounded perspective on who that person is, and you take a step back and you realize how people are just flawed. People act out sometimes. Uh, it, it's hard just to judge the person based on the, potentially the negative things that have floated to the top of your in the news. The origin of the gag of Trevor being called a fruitcake in Pacifist. Origin of the fruitcake gag? It's a gag in GTA. Dave calls Trevor a fruitcake. Which at the time, I just thought it meant crazy. I don't think, I think that's what Dave meant, but apparently some people uh, think fruitcake means gay. I, 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 th I think what fruitcake actually means as an expression or as a, an insult or whatever, um, it is abnormal. Yeah, so it's possible that because people view being gay as abnormal or, well, I guess it is outside of the norm, but ab abnormal kind of has like a negative connotation or whatever. Um, uh, it, it maybe in just some context, some people have referred to being gay as, as uh, and they would call a gay person a fruitcake, but I don't think that's actually what the word means. Because, I mean, why would Trevor, or so why would Dave refer to Trevor as gay? Um, I think he was just referring to him as a abnormal, and as I guess in this case, crazy. The history of my rambles series and how they get made. So the history of the rambles, okay? So speedrunner rambles used to be called political rambles, and so whenever I would go through my how the speedrun end, my, my footage to get how the speedrun ended um, footage and stuff, um, I would occasionally run across like a, things where I, for a couple of minutes, I'd speak on a topic, and so unedited, I just threw that up onto my. YouTube and most of them were political rambles where I talk about something related to politics, society, philosophy, whatever. And so that's why the series was called Political Rambles. But as the series started to expand and I included other rambles that weren't political, and I believe that calling them political would hurt the algorithm, hurt me in the algorithm, I decided to change the name. When I got editors um, to help me, I would ask them to take the um, any section where I spoke over a minute about something and put it separate on a separate timeline and then I would string them together myself, and then release them as separate videos. Uh, over time, um, like, but they were always meant to be just really quickly thrown together things. But over time, they've become more complicated. The rambles used to be sent to me at the same time as the project they came from. So an episode of How This Human Ended would be finished, and then the rambles would be sent along with that. But I realized that that would cause the rambles to be even more out of date. So what I said to him is like, look, when you've gone through the footage for the first time and the rambles are done, send me the rambles and um, I'll polish them off myself and then I'll release them. So they become, they won't be as out of date. 
But even that was still fairly out of date because it can take a long time for any particular editor to, to bother to spend the time to go through footage. So what, I, what we do now is I say to them, the second you have half an hour's worth of rambles, send them to me. I'll polish them and upload them. This means that they're... They were still at, at best, they'll still be a week old, but at least they'll be at least somewhat topical, right? The, the, so the process of rambles right now is I'll give an editor a bunch of OCO footage. They'll be going through it. They'll find half an hour of me rambling about stuff. They'll separate that. They'll send it to me, and then I'll open it in a project file. I will make the opening screen where it shows the timestamp of all the things. I will name all the sections. I will remove sections that I don't think are good or um, that I've talked about already too much or that I don't feel like I, I explain myself very well. Um, so I do that kind of editing. And then I will do uh, the voice lines for each of the topics. Uh, and then they'll get released. And that's how rambles get made. Christmas without my family. How was my Christmas? Non-existent. As terrible as this is gonna sound, I didn't even get to see my family. Basically, my sleeping pattern was so bad that I I just wasn't awake. My mother says she understood and, and all that, but I'm sure she was disappointed. I'll make it up to her. But also, the event was somewhat ruined as well because uh, my... Half my family was in lockdown because of an outbreak of the coronavirus. Certainly, like, even had we met, we all would have worn masks and, you know, social distance and stuff. Like, we would have taken precautions. And it, it was going to be less than 10 people or whatever, but because my family gatherings are small anyway. But with, you know, like, half the people who would normally have come not going to be there, it was already going to be a small affair anyway. Uh, but then I didn't go, so, like, there would have been, like, four of them there or whatever. So it's um, obviously not what they want. How revenue on my Clips channel compares to revenue on my main channel? Uh, the cl Clips do generate revenue, yes. Views from longer videos are more likely to generate revenue than views from shorter videos because there is an internal timer. Don't know what the internal timer is. Uh, on how quickly you can receive ads. And I think, I don't know, maybe advertisers prefer putting ads on longer videos, I'm not sure. But like, if you watch five clips, you might only get one ad that, uh, because each clip is so short, but if you watch five of my main videos, you'll get more than likely an ad each time or whatever. So don't expect the channel with a lot of short videos to be generating the same kind of revenue as a larger channel. So like, I don't know, my main channel has one third of the views of my clips channel, but it probably makes I don't know, three times as much. I don't, I don't know the numbers. I don't really look at them. So that would, that would mean a view on my main channel is worth nine times what it is on my clip channel. So. How does YouTube Premium influence this? Oh, that's also a good point because YouTube Premium pays out for how many minutes you watch. And certainly with clips, you, uh, you watch less, you know. Does YouTube Premium give content creators more revenue than regular YouTube? Yes. A view that has been made through YouTube Premium is worth far, far more than a view that is done through just watching ads. But obviously the vast majority of people don't have YouTube premium. So you do end up making more money with ads. But especially for longer form content like mine, uh, YouTube premium is gonna skew higher for me than it is for uh, other channels that just, you know, release a five minute video or something every day. 
how to start speedrunning GTA 5. Any advice on getting started with speedrunning in GTA 5? Have watched many of your videos, I have been inspired. Good luck on this one. The easiest way is to join the GTA 5 Discord that's linked below my stream. Uh, it's, not, it's not my main Discord, it's another Discord. And uh, there'll be endless people to answer any question you have. There are some guides, um, some explanations as to what you're meant to do. Uh, the best thing to do is talk in that Discord, watch, um, read the guides that exist, um, and uh, watch the world record. Always keep in mind that any guide that is made will never be perfect, because it's, unless it was made yesterday, there's always going to be tiny new strats and stuff. But especially as a new runner, the most important thing is just completing runs, knowing the rough routes. Uh, once you've got some runs under your belt, slowly introducing yourself to, to more complex things is, is, is therefore important. Or, or easier, rather. Yeah, not getting stuck in prologue. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to my channel. It costs you nothing, and I wish you all the best.